I'm hanging out with Lane Ivy. We're gonna do some filming tomorrow with Lane. Uh, I've known Lane for quite some time. I would call Lane a grinder, and uh, I'm super impressed with how he's went about his entire, uh, just how he's went about his roping for years now and how consistent he's been and, and where he's gotten. So Lane, just thanks for hanging out, man. Hey, thanks for having me, Pace. So the, a couple things I wanted to cover today. Uh, obviously, I wanted to talk about some stuff going on, like with the American and the PRCA and what's counting and and not for the rodeos. But man, I'd I'd like to get get your story just a little bit too, because what what you've done with your roping, uh, we we get a lot of this as far as guys have a lot of excuses like oh we don't get runs, we don't get partners, what whatever it is. Um, and, and I feel like you're a great example of someone who's stayed with it <laughs> and uh, and just started from, how old are you now? I'm 26 this year. 26. Yeah, I've been doing it for about five or six years full time now, and it's been, a, it's been a journey, that's for sure. Yeah, I didn't start off as what someone would call good. <laughs> I was just a mediocre amateur header, and yeah. then... I had a little bit of success, and I thought, man, I really like that. And it was almost, it was almost like it motivated me to to want to do better. And then when I lost, it made me work harder to want to do better again. And then, you know, there's there's no replacement for hard work. There's no talent that can replace it. There's nothing. If you work hard, eventually, it's something's gonna pay off. So that's kind of how I've gone about my roping and my my career so far. And gonna probably stick with it because I ain't got much talent to, to just back it up man I don't know about that but I mean I I, I was around you probably early, early 20s and it just seemed like where your heading was at you you had a lot of pieces that were really good but it just every year every time I see you head every every six months it, it's it, it gets better I mean what why do you think that is well I honestly think uh self-evaluation you have to know yourself and you have to be honest with yourself. If, if you're not honest with yourself from the get-go about anything in life, you're going to find an excuse or you're going to find a way to, to cop out of it. But if you look at yourself in the mirror every morning and be completely honest, like, hey, I am not good enough today, but maybe by the end of it, I'll get one step closer to be good enough, then I think you can sleep better at night, or I can at least. You have to, uh, in my opinion, you have to know your weaknesses and know your strengths and keep working on getting your strengths better and really working on getting your weaknesses where they're your strengths. And my, that's what I think. That's what I try to do. So give me an example of something like how, how would you work on a weakness and how would you attack a weakness? Well, my, what I thought my weakness was probably three years ago was I had horrible horses. I shouldn't say horrible, but they were not good enough to compete at the, the professional level on. And, and so I tried to get as good as horses as I could, which I didn't, I've never had, had a great horse. And then I got a good horse and, uh, I, he got crippled. And so I had to find another one. I was back to square one. Well, then I got the horse I have now, which is a 900 pound little bay horse that would be classified as a heel horse to most people. And he's been super special to me. And I've had probably 90% of my success off of him. And, and working, you know, getting better at scoring or, you know, just shaving tents off because everybody ropes so good now that you can't 
You can't be weak in one area and think that you're going to make up for it in another area. You have to be so strong in every area to even place. You, I mean, there's times this summer that I looked up and thought, man, that's one of the better runs I've ever made, and I think I won fifth or sixth place. Right. So you gotta you gotta always be trying to to get better in in every area, every ooh, every area of the rope, and I think you gotta sharpen up as as much as you can. So this little bay horse that you're talking about is I, I've watched him go and. When I was first seeing you on him, I was like, man, this sucker is, he's tiny. He's not a very big horse. <laughs> no. but he, he is a great horse. I, I, he's one of my favorite ones to watch. He's just very athletic, does a lot of, he's really physical for as small as yeah. he is. And that's what's pretty cool. Yeah, he has a special way of doing things and he does them his own way. And you can either be a board or not, but he's doing them how he wants to. Right. He, uh, you know, you can, you can be like, well, he don't have this or he don't do that or, you know, he don't come back enough. You, you can say a hundred different things that he don't do at any time. And like, But what he does do for me is it feels like I, I have a shot to win every time I ride him. So that's pretty special to me. And he's a winner. That's right. what he is. He tries really hard. He wants the team to win. So a couple of years ago, you doing your self-evaluation, looking at your horses. Okay, I need to get better horses. And do you, do you like look within like your training program to address that as well with some other oh, horses think, or how how like what was the big change on finding these good horses and uh, and understanding how to get on better horses well I, I think the number one deal of all of it is you have to start up with a good product if you're going to ride young horses or train young horses or you know season horses i have two horses at my house right now prime example i bought one of them for fun he's an appaloosa and <laughs> then i got another one that's six years old that I'm going to ride tomorrow when we film and no matter the training I do on that Appaloosa he is never going to be <laughs> as good as that sorrel and no matter it just you just can't help who your parents are sometimes you know and he doesn't have the athletic ability to be great so he's a fun horse and whatever but there's nothing that I can do to make that horse great there's nothing that anybody can do he's just not athletic enough he doesn't have anything to be a great horse now the other horse he has the athletic ability he has the mind to be to be as good as he wants to be but what what i do i think is going to help him hopefully get better and hopefully i build his confidence enough where i can go compete on him and be successful but i guess i took him to probably his fifth or sixth rope another day at the patriot at fort worth and we won second i mean that was a 500 hundred dollar a man roping and that was a huge step for us and for me and him as a as a team right and uh you know, and then I haven't rode him since, so I guess tomorrow will show like what I'll do to to back him back off and let him build his confidence up again. So, do you think? Uh, do you kind of get a a look or something that you like to, especially for like a, a greener horse or something that you want to take and move on with? Do you have like a a certain style of horse that you look for, or, um, bloodlines, or what do you try to go with as far as that? Man, I, I honestly. No, I don't have a bloodline because I'll, every one of my horses is bred differently. I think uh, what's special to me is ones that, that want to chase the cow. Like if they enjoy chasing the cow and roping, then you got to, you I mean, just outlast them and use them and you got them. But if you don't, if your horse doesn't want to rope, it's hard. It's hard for them to, to, to make a horse a rope horse because you can't speak English to them. You got to tell them in cues and, you know, in, uh, show them how to do it without talking to them and it's 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 difficult sometimes but if your horse wants to do it then it's it's simple way simple 
Right. I, I mean, I feel like that's just kind of a winner almost. Like yeah. Those kind that they kind of want, they would like to do their job and it makes it where things are simple. Like in, you can have good days consistently, right? Yeah. And I, and I should, I should rephrase that better because there may be a horse at my house that, you know, you can't, I, I couldn't go, you know, win the BFI on or something, but my mom could go get on and may be very competitive at the World Series Finals. There's so many different kinds of horses, but it takes such a special horse to be able to have to try to be four, five, five flat every single run, whether it be a jackpot or a rodeo. I mean, which the horse that sticks out to me the most is Clay Smith's Gray, which he's an amazing jockey, but that, that horse is truly amazing from the nfr to the bfi to cheyenne he he's great everywhere and clay smith's an amazing header no nothing to take away from him but that gray horse is phenomenal and he loves team roping yeah like, he loves it i uh i ran into his dad uh, one time i was like man how, how's that horse never won head horse of the year and uh he's, he doesn't have any papers <laughs> yeah he's telling me that at, at san antonio and he said you know this year i i uh I called the guy. I was like, "Hey, you know, does that mare and that stud do they have papers?" He's like, "Well, they're. I just never got around to getting them." And he told me he was trying to get the papers on maybe the mare or the stud. Or he maybe the stud had papers, but the mare they never got them. And he was going to try to get him papers, which I don't know if he's going to. But that would sure would be cool because that horse deserves it. I mean, yeah, there's, maybe, uh, maybe the there's, last two or three years he's deserved it. Yeah, uh, not to take away from anybody else's, but that. You got to figure he's going to win it one or once yeah, or twice. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's amazing. <laughs> yeah, especially after last year. At the yeah, too. and just watch Clay not only do good rodeoing on him, but jackpots. I mean, that one year that me he roped with Jim in the spring and we buddied. I think he won like three out of the seven, or four out of the seven jackpots in California. It's like, man, that's amazing. Right. How good he is. So... To kind of jump back to something, man, that I, I think is so interesting and, and I like, I admire so much about you is your mindset. And it was, uh, you said this to me at a, at a jackpot. Um, the year, it was, it was before you made, I think it was about this time last year. And you talked about practicing and this is what you're doing and your mindset of, hey, I'm going to rope every day. I'm going to grind every single day. And you told me, like, either I'm too dumb to do something else or I'm too hard-headed, but this is what I'm doing. <laughs> Probably both, really, <laughs> honestly. I, I'm, I don't know if I could do anything else. Uh, I've spent my whole life roping and riding horses and stuff. And the last two days in Texas, it's been, well, 25 was the high on Monday. And then today, I think the high was like 36 or something. And I did not want to rope. Like, I didn't want to ride horses. I didn't want to do anything. But I knew that if I needed to stay competitive and sharp i needed to do something because somebody was doing something i can guarantee you chad masters did something that guy does something every day so right. not only does he have better horses and rope better than me he's actually working on days that i don't want to well then i'm never gonna get to his level so i i look at it that way i think you you never can work too hard at something you may be tired at the end of the day and feel like you didn't quite get what you wanted to accomplish but if you're working at it eventually something good's going to come from it. How do you think you got to that mindset? Well, I didn't like to lose. I don't I still don't like no one likes to lose, I would think, but I just I admired growing up I admired like Clay O'Brien Cooper and Speed Williams and champions of the sport and you just you see those Jake Barnes. I mean, that guy is so intense when he backs in the box. 
you know he wants to win. Like he he wants nothing else when he's in the box than to win still to this day. And you, you look at some people that are just kind of joking around about it, and you're like, man, it's hard to beat a guy that wants to win as bad as Jake Barnes, and it shows. He won seven gold buckles. And seeing those guys do as, as much as they have, it uh, it kind of lit a fire in me. Like I want to I want to be that competitive. Right. So just trying to really kind of evaluate your peers and some of the greats of the industry and just see what they do. And, and, and then obviously you have a passion for roping. Oh, yeah. That's what you want to do, but. And I love horses, and I love roping, and I enjoy seeing horses get better and people get better, you know, in their craft. And uh, it's just, it's amazing to me how much the sport has grown. And I'm only 26, but I remember as a kid, you never really could go rope for as much as, like, the World Series Finals, which I know kids can't go rope there, but there was nowhere that anybody could go win $100,000 a man or $200,000 a man. It's crazy how much it's grown just in the last five or ten years. Right. There's some great opportunities out there. And and not only just at the finals, all year long between the World yeah. Series pots. And, like, I, I don't know that many people don't even realize it, but the last week I didn't jackpot a ton, but I, I went out to Arizona and then the Lone Star shootout. I had close to 4,000 in fees. And yeah, it's not cheap. Patriot and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, it's not cheap at all, but. And there's there's tons of guys that won over 50,000. Uh, Coleman and Ryan, I mean, they won the. The, you told me the biggest check? <laughs> it has to be the biggest single check that any team roper's ever won in history. Right. $433,000 a man. Yeah. I mean, if you think of that, like, that sounds like a lot of money. But if you think about the normal person that makes, you know, say $40,000 a year, that's like 11 years of work <laughs> that they made on a couple steers, which I know it's unbelievable to think about it, but... They made 11 years of the, the average American salary on one steer. <laughs> yeah, man. It, that's crazy. And I don't know. They they won a little bit probably coming up through the yeah. semis. But the one I seen on Instagram, the, I didn't even I, – I was doing something. I didn't watch the run. But the one where, like, Coleman follows him basically to the back end and Moats circles him a couple they of times. They were 22 plus 5. They almost <laughs> got flagged. I told Moats he looked like he was in a ranch rodeo. I said, <laughs> I seen him pass behind the alley. And then I seen him pass coming back around, and then I seen him pass again and throw and hold his slack up. I was like, oh, surely he got something. He's like, yeah, I stabbed a right leg, man. And so then they come back first out and go 4-1. All of a sudden, they're in. It's just, it's crazy. You know, just never giving up. They never gave up. Right. Well, and, and just understanding how to win. I mean, you if you follow Ryan Mopes, his hashtag winners win. But uh, <laughs> that guy... Uh, he the both that team knows how to win. Oh that, yeah, so that's pretty cool to to see that. Which I can say this because I tell this to Ryan all the time, but me and him are second partners and we have been for the last three years. We are the worst hundred dollar a man ropers there are. Like I don't know if we've ever won a check at a hundred dollar a man roping. Right. But you put up some money and where it it has a big payout. Seems like Ryan Moe catched just two feet. Like he is he's what he says winners win. He means it when it comes to that. Yeah, he's a great big money hero. Oh, I mean, man. From the finals with Cinegeny that year. And, I mean, he's had uh, some, some great, great moments. Yeah, it's like sure. it, it doesn't it doesn't, uh, it doesn't excite him unless he can win five or 6000 I always joke about <laughs> him. I'm like, yeah, who needs 1200 today, Ryan? <laughs> he just laughs. 
Oh, dude, that's pretty good. You've been second partners with Moats for the last three years, you just said? Yeah, we're life second partners is what I tell him all the time. Life second partners. <laughs> uh, how do you get to that point? Uh, what was some of the stuff that you thought helped get you better and better runs and and get some of these guys? Because, I mean, it's just like now you got Buddy, and Buddy yeah. ropes great. Yeah, I got Trey Yates as my third partner. We've been third partners a little bit this year. It's just, man, I don't, I just doing your job, like, that's that's what I, I can sleep at night if I don't win, which I'd love to win. But if I don't win because I didn't do my job, what I've prepared for all week, that eats me up, man. I don't I don't like not doing my job. If I turn the cow, that's all I can control. Everything else is on on my healer. Right. And do you think that's something like a lot of the little jackpots and stuff like that you've uh, you've kind of evaluated? Um, it and it helps for the bigger ropens and oh i think it does for sure yeah i think you have to you have to treat every steer the same you know clay cooper's a prime example i mean you can't tell if he caught for a million dollars or for one hundred dollars like he he is his emotional expression is just the same whether he caught or missed and you know his rope broke at houston the other day i don't know if anyone's seen that but i watched it live and like Nothing happened. Just cooled it up and walked out the arena. And it's like most people would be like, "What? What just happened?" You know, it it didn't it didn't phase him. He he's so emotionally strong. He controls them so well that you don't. I mean, I feel like that's it's hard to do. I I can't do it. I'm way too emotional. But the champ. That's the reason he's the champ because he can control it. Right. There's something that far out of your control too that. I mean, a rope breaking. How how many times have you heard of that happening? I've seen it one time in my life. I, I mean... Have you ever seen it? I've never seen it. I've, I've heard of it, like... I, I think I've watched a video one time on Facebook, but... They don't, yeah. I, mean, I guess live, I've never... I've seen a calf rope. You know, yeah, but, like those grass ropes, but grass. A, a nylon rope? I mean, that's crazy. And it wasn't like it just unraveled and broke. It broke in half. It, I mean, it's unbelievable. That's that's rough. <laughs> yeah, it's a freak deal. You talk about. All right, man. So, so going back to roping with Ryan and, and getting, because I think that's that's it's hard on a guy. I mean, I I think anyways. If I'm if I'm putting myself in your shoes, as you get better and better runs, you want to do better and better. You're putting more pressure on yourself. And then last year, about this time, the Lone Star Shootout. That was fun, dude. That was awesome. <laughs> and, and the cool thing about it was. I mean, the roping was just nasty tough. It was fast, and, uh, you know, you've... What, did you come back third or fourth high call? Yeah, we were eight flat on two, and we come back third high call. Eight flat on two. Four flat in the short round. Yeah. How nervous are you before that? Well, I'll tell you what I was so nervous about is the start is so fast that it was so fast that year, which Austin puts on a great roping, but he thought the George Strait was two foot under. Well, it's just a foot under, right. so it was a short, a foot shorter than it was this year, and any, I mean, it was nod and go. If the cow left, but if the cow didn't leave, you broke the bear. So I just wanted to make sure the cow left and then get a good start. Well, I was a little bit late. Like the cow really left, and my horse kind of popped up, and I was a little bit late. But that was the only thing that I was really nervous about was getting a, a good start. I knew if I turned him around, I'd catch him. But just I think anywhere in any big situation. The start such a such a key factor in the run. 
Man, I think that's pretty cool to hear because I think that's when you know that you're at a, at a high level with your roping when you can handle a big moment because there, there's a lot of pressure. Hey, it's a great roping to win. First year they're doing it, pays what, seven or 80000 with prizes yeah. and cash. 30000 a man in this trailer and some saddles and stuff. It was yeah. it was great roping. It's getting better too. Yeah. But um, with that, to, to be that sharp in that situation and not be worried about something happening like because uh, that's that's what you see a lot is world series ropens and when they get in a big moment they start worrying about things that can go wrong and and to me what i hear is you're focused on the start and focused on how to execute and yeah, i recommend everyone watch that roping because the shot the steer did get a little bit low-headed and you come from way back <laughs> with it and it, i mean it was a great run yeah it was fun it and, was fun but it's it's cool to see that, you know, to, to get one of those big moments. What what do you think those big wins like that, what did that do for your confidence? Man, like I'd I'd done some good before. Like I'd placed second at the BFI and I'd won the Spicer grip and stuff, but those are just go do your job and catch the cow. I'd never won a rope and that was that fast. Right. And that may be the fastest three head roping ever. It was I mean, twelve flat on three. It was it was insane. The steers were so good that year. But it, it just, I'll tell you what it did to me. It, it made me feel like I belonged. Like, you know what? You are good enough to do, and you just got to keep doing your job. And if you do your job, you're you're good enough to win. And and back to the to getting the partners, like you get better partners, you feel like you should do better. That was, that's a big, I mean, that's big. That's huge right there. If you get, like, I've got a rope with Ryan some, and I've got a rope with Jade Corkill some, and you talk about, when you don't do good with him, feel about not doing your job because he don't ever mess up. And you just, right. then you're like, man, I got to do something better. If I don't win with this guy, I got to do something better because <laughs> what I'm doing is not right. And I just think it all comes back to you don't take your roping from the practice. You take your practice to the roping. Like you just come straight out of your practice, go to the roping. That's how you, that's how I try to look at it is I, I try to practice and prepare. And then just take my preparation straight to the roping. Like, use my preparation, what I've been working on, and do that at the roping. Don't go to the roping and then try to come home and fix it. Like, that does no good because it, I mean, you, you didn't have no preparation for what you just tried to do. So you have to prepare for something. Once you prepare for it, like in your mindset, if you got, all right, I'm not going to reach at this roping. I'm going to make my horse run up there every time. And you practice that all week. You run to the cow, turn the cow good, slow him down, give your healer a good shot. And then the first one at the rope and you bring it over the chutes. Well, I mean, what good was all that work that you did? And I, I believe me and uh, I guess Buddy, Buddy kind of got me on this whole deal of, you know, preparing away and, and sticking to it. And it, it's helped my roping a ton to because it's the same shot that you take at the practice pin that you do at the roping. You just, all right, what am I going to do this time? Like Dustin Squeeza? Dustin Squeeza probably practiced going over the chute every time because that's what he does at the roping. I doubt it that he just runs in there and swings over their back all day. Like, I mean, I I've, I've, haven't seen him practice very much, but I'm not going to say he runs in there close a lot. He he throws fast, I'm sure, because he's the fastest header alive. Right. You know, so I think that it's a big deal, you know, for any number of roper to practice, you know, pick a way you want to rope and rope that way at the house and then take it to the roping. Man, that is so, I'm so glad you said that. That's something I've been studying a little bit um, and, and really been working on that 
hard, but if you think about that mindset is, I, I think it's the perfect mindset because it means if you prepare correctly and then you go execute, you'll win. And, and if you did not prepare correctly and that means your run wasn't good enough to win, then you can go home and work on it and fix it. But, um, that exactly that comes back just to the self-identification like if you believe in yourself enough to take your practice to the roping and it doesn't work well then you can come home and look yourself in the mirror or, or look at what happened and be like you know what next week this is what i need to work on and sharpen up on that area of my roping and then you can build off of something but if you practice some way and then rope completely different at the rope and there's nothing to build on like you don't know what you need to work on well you're playing someone else's game exactly yeah yeah you're not playing yours what did you think about the american <laughs> dude i mean i was so glad that moats won it and, and coleman because I, I like those guys so much and i got a lot of respect and and but i dude i, I have so many mixed emotions um because i think it's such a great opportunity and i where rodeo's changed a lot in the last two years crazy isn't it um and and it's it's funny because it put me in a good situation and the because i i did good at my circuit finals and won six or seven thousand and yeah and all of a sudden i've got you know good amount of money won for the winner but then we're counting like the american for the world standings which is i i i, I kind of agree with it but then we're counting houston um as well like half the money for houston and the and for the American, right? Counted for the yeah, fifty thousand total dollars from both of those rodeos. You can count up to fifty thousand dollars. So essentially, two teams that win um, got a spot. Yeah, they got a spot with the rodeos us. being sixty-five. Yeah, I agree. And uh, so that that's kind of man, I I I like that because it. I got watching the American, and this was my mindset was, I it takes a ton of cash flow to qualify and, and get is 500 a man. Yeah. And, you, and gotta, you don't usually get to win a lot at the qualifiers. You get, you get your money back if you win the first couple of holes, but that's it when you're putting 500 up. So a guy like me where I don't have enough money to, to jackpot everywhere, unless I'm just winning a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't put my 500 down because I didn't want to go to the American and be three, three <laughs> times like in the past. But I thought they set it up a lot better this year. Yeah, I they mean, had some fresh deers. and Yeah, so that seems... that made me want to try it on for the next year. Um, you know, it's just, I think it's all so crazy. Like, I think the, I feel about the same like you do about the American, you know. I'm glad that the PRCA is actually getting to be a part of the biggest rodeos there is. Because if, I mean, you know, it is the Professional Cowboys Association. Right. And I'm, I think Houston's, I think Houston should count because, I mean, it's a huge rodeo, but it, I think it gives a guy an incentive to, you know, maybe go to 10 or 15 more rodeos next year to try to get in the top 35 or 40 where he can get into Houston and potentially have a chance. Like, I think Jake Cooper has already won seven or 8,000 down there in his set. He won, I mean, he did really good. He won two rounds and maybe second in another round. Won seven grand. You won seven grand at one rodeo in the summer. You murdered him. You feel amazing that's about it. That's a go-round at, uh, at Cheyenne. Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, that's winning Belfouche, South Dakota over the 4th of July or 2nd yeah. at Cody. You know, and then now he still gets to run he, two more steers for sure, like guaranteed that both pay 3000 right. And then if he does good on one of those, he gets to come and rope another one to get a chance for 50 and it's just like that can, that can help a guy a ton. You know, he rodeoed all last year, so he got it. You know, it, that what I guess I'm getting at is that gives a guy an incentive to, to go all year. 
Well, that's that's what I was gonna say. I I've, I'm at eleven thousand or something this year, and most years I've tried to manage my money, and if I didn't feel like I had much of a shot or whatever it was, I would try to I would either try to be putting horses together or money together. But this year, no matter what, I'm going. You need to. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, I I feel like I, to get into the winter rodeos, you gotta be that, that, sharp. That, yeah, you I gotta think. win some in the summer. Now. Have you heard anything? Is Calgary having a rodeo? Does anybody know? They heard that. I mean, I know they're having a rodeo, but are they adding team roping to their rodeo? I hadn't heard anything on that. I would Someone love told to me get that. Some information on that. I would love to be, be great. That would be so cool, wouldn't it? They yeah. said it wouldn't have it at Calgary. They were going to have it off grounds, but can you imagine? What is it? And and I think it would be super cool if like Salt Lake counted and all these rodeos, but. I don't think it's fair for one fifty thousand dollar rodeo to count. If we're gonna count fifty thousand dollar rodeos, I think it would be cool for there to be like seven or eight of them. That way, you know, everybody has a chance to go get get your one your one good lick or whatever. Well, and and I think it's important to for the sport to to maximize the amount of money that we can win, and 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 that's why you just hope for the balance and, and yeah. you, you hope for more rodeos and more opportunities to win big money. Uh, because like it's just like Salt Lake a couple years ago when Knight Rider and Junior D's got in like that was I, I thought that was a great I mean that was, it was awesome life changing for both them guys yes yeah. and uh, and look at and that was just a, a dream come true and both of those guys have stayed rodeoing I mean yep. it just helped them out so much yeah give them the ability to keep going like you said and and they're guys that are just working hard and 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 needing breaks you know like anyone else and they they get one and I yeah. think that that's exactly what you can get with all these others so that that's what gets me excited about that opportunity yeah that's that's super neat those I mean any rodeo that'll that'll that's gonna give you the opportunity to go win fifty thousand for first and twenty five for second I think you got to try to do it like I did. I, me and Buddy qualified for the WCRA deal, which is a new organization. Right. We got to go to Chicago, Illinois, in the middle of January, <laughs> which I wasn't super super pumped about that. I think I showed up and it was like eleven degrees or something, snowing, right? So cold. But I mean, Garrett Tanazi walked out of there with sixty two thousand dollars one rodeo. Me and Buddy won twelve five, and it paid all the ways down to eight holes. And you can literally anybody can nominate a roping off their phone. You can nominate a number four header can nominate the eight pick draw and get the most points and guarantee himself a spot to rope in the top sixteen at the semifinals and they take eight. Well, and I think you can even do jackpots. Yeah, you can do anything. Like the that Jade Anderson that I was roping with, yeah. um, we he nominated a couple of amateur rodeos. Oh yeah, and and he got into Salt Lake. Yeah, I nominated a, a San Antonio and Houston. And then I nominated the one up there at Chicago. They let you nominate that one. And I think I got like 300 points right now and still get to go to another one. But if, and I think it's like 100 bucks. Like it's, and then at the semifinals, I did good at the semifinals last year. Or I didn't do good on the first two, which they, the both those steers pay. I disqualified back to the top 32. And then I won my set, or won second my set, and then won the final set of my set. And I won $9,000 and had, a total of a hundred dollars just in nominations. Like, it's a super cool deal. So, anybody out there that wants to nominate some events, get after it. I think that's it's important to understand. And, and what I think what's changing the most about team roping that I that I'm noticing is within the last I, I would probably I'm gonna just say two years. I could be definitely wrong with this, but the wins are bigger. Uh, top to bottom. So like cash flow goes up and down more than it has ever. 
Yeah, I in agree. Our, in our industry. Like, cause like I was saying, I didn't enter a lot last week. I, I had 35 or 4,000 of fees, and, and I won that amount. And I, and I felt like I just roped okay, but I had tons of opportunity to oh, win yeah. more. And, uh, and it seems like I've had that a few times where I've won three or 4,000 and, and then I can go 10 days and have three or 4,000 in fees pretty oh, quickly yeah. too. And, and so the, the big thing I think is team ropers is, it's just like with you at, at, at two or three times you've had big, big wins. But the, the thing is they, they help with your cash flow for long term plus that mindset of all that hard work is paying off like i I think that that's when when you said that this is like a sigh of relief yeah and and it's just it just reassures what you're doing uh you know to to just keep keep grinding keep staying with it right yeah i mean anytime you can win you know 15 20 40 thousand dollars whatever at a roping and, and you get the opportunity to do it well you know that money to me maybe gives me an opportunity to to get another horse that could help me progress my roping or get some fresher roping steers to practice on or maybe go a month longer when I don't do good or you know what whatever it is in your in your journey it just gives you that little bit more that you need every time and if you manage your money correctly and stuff and and like I didn't make the finals last year or yeah no, the year before, I made it last year, and I, I when I got home, I'd won like sixty thousand dollars. Was like eighteenth or nineteenth, I made maybe twentieth somewhere, and was broke. Like if you do not make the finals, and you rodeo all year, when you get home, I mean you're busted. I had owed five thousand on my credit card, didn't know how I was gonna pay it, and then it's just like when you make the finals, you know you get sponsors and. Uh, we had a horrible finals, an absolutely horrible finals, and I won fifty two thousand. And you you think that's bad, but when you think of it, in the like I did horrible. I think we caught three steers, and it's just like there's. I think Clay and Paul won a hundred and eighty thousand dollars at one rodeo. Yeah. I mean, that's not near as much as Ryan Moats. I mean, he's set for life. I guess you could say, <laughs> big dog in it. Yeah, I'd never be a poor day again. Uh, that's so cool though for them guys. So let's, dude, I want to jump into that. All right. there, There's a, a few dynamics to this that I think that's really important to understand what you did to get to the finals. And, and I kind of want to go back to that that finishing 18th or you know, basically 16th or 20th, which yeah. is freaking close. And it probably hurts bad when you don't make the finals because that that was maximum effort to, to do that, right? Yeah, I mean, you, you give everything that you have and... You come up short, and it's like, tomorrow's still going to come. Like, the world doesn't stop turning after October 1st. October 2nd comes. And, you know, the guys that made the finals are getting ready to go compete there, and you're not. And you just kind of, you can either sit there and sulk, or you can work harder and, and try try to do better and, and and make it next year. And that's what I chose to do. And, you know, whether it's the finals, the World Series finals, you know, your your amateur rodeo organization, your junior rodeo organization, you know, you, if you can come home at night and look, yourself, look at yourself and be like, you know what, I did everything possible that I could do today to better myself, then you don't have nothing to worry about. I mean, that's that's awesome, even if you don't win. But when you come inside and you're like, man, I could have rode my practice horse tonight. I didn't ride my practice horse because it got a little cold and, you know, I, I just didn't want to. 
that's that's where you're at the end of all of the of the year. You're like, man, I could have I could have rode that practice horse that one time, and maybe I'd have been sharp enough to win second instead of fourth. And that's what I told Buddy after we he finished sixteenth and I finished twentieth or nineteenth, whatever it was. I told him I said. Whatever we have to do, we're going to do everything possible we both can do. Next year we'll be there. And I I worked so hard at it that last year. And I'm still working hard at it this year. Like I'm doing the same thing, you know, trying to improve, getting better horses and stuff. But I freaking busted it last year. Every time it rained and I was like, oh, I could find an excuse not to rope. I'd call Dakota or I'd call JB or, you know, one of my friends with the indoor arena. Hey, can I bring my steers over there and rope? And I would haul my steers over there. Sometimes they'd say, no, I just wrote mine. Like, I did everything possible that I felt like I could do to get better. Right. And and I was okay with it. If I didn't make the finals last year, I was fine. I mean, I would have been fine. But doing that, you can do everything, and then it pays off. Oh, that's the greatest feeling there is. Well, I think you're, you know, you're really setting up the foundation, too. Because you, if you think about that, if you can work that hard... And you, and you just can keep building on that work ethic. And if you can keep adding those little things, I, nothing happens fast. I, I think we all have this like, oh, if I work at it real hard for 30 days, I should get something out of it. No, 300 days. Yeah. And and then you should... Three years, <laughs> four should, years. You should see some improvement. Yeah. <laughs> but 10 years of working really, yeah. really hard, That's I think that that's what it takes to get to the... The, the clay trying type of oh, yeah. domination that, that, that they can instill when <coughs> when they have the right situation with their horses. And yeah, stuff yeah, like clay, that. you know, clay trying, that guy, he's been, he's not been good for a while. He's been great for eight years, nine years, ten years, however long it's been that he's been, you know, making the finals. But he's been a competitor everywhere he's been. He's a, he's a true competitor. True warrior, dude. That guy, he uh, he wants blood. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You may not like him, but he he wants you to respect him. <laughs> and, uh, dude, he, and I think that's fine with him if you don't like him. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't really care. He just wants to win. He's just in his deal. Yeah, he and does he, clay trying. And, and you know what? I I have got a lot of respect. He he honestly he reminds me of Kobe Bryant. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't. Hey, like. He just he gets you. You better get on his level. Well, and almost a little bit of MJ. Like if. You're yeah. on his team and you're not doing what he wants you to. He's liable to punch you in the face. Yeah, like you know, walk up and punch his teammate in the face. Yeah, <laughs> I, I feel like uh, a a talk with Clay Tryon uh, is is pretty intense. Like I, I I heard Walt Woodard say one time when I think it's been a long time ago. He was talking about roping with him and he said, "Man, I first few rodeos we went to, he's like." Uh, Walt roped a leg. He's like, oh, it's probably a bad handle. Second one, Walt roped a leg. He's oh, it's probably a bad handle. Third one, Walt missed. And uh, Clay rode up to him. He's like, hey, you're a world-class healer. You need to figure out how to catch him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, he, I mean, he expects the same out of himself. It's not well, like he just... He expects more out yeah, of himself. Yeah, exactly. For sure. I, uh, one, I guess it was probably it's probably three or four years ago. We'd gotten up bad at Salt Lake or something. It was probably three years ago. And... Me, him, and Jade had made the short round at at Salinas or something. We had to drive all night long. We had a little tiny rental car, and Clay left Salt Lake City driving. It's like 16 hours. 
He drove all the ways till like 5.30 in the morning with barely the radio going and just a Dr. Pepper. And I think I slept most of the way. And then he's like, hey, wake up. It's time to finish it in. I was like, I'm too tired, man. And I think Jade ended up finishing it in. <laughs> but he was like, you little, what? You slept the whole time. And I was like, I know, man, but I just can't do it. Yeah. He's a, he, he's the love of the game, that guy. Like, he truly loves head and steers. Yeah, he, he really is. All right, man, I, I, w- I want to get back to this. So you've finished the first year uh, you and Buddy had roped together, just out of making the finals, working at it. And, and one thing that when you guys decided to rope again the next year and kind of evaluated it, you talked to me about this a little bit, and I, I really want you to, to communicate it, but when you're a team, you said this to me, no one else wants you to do good. <laughs> they, I mean, they may tell you they do, but they want their team to do better. Right. And you, you're going against, you know, over the 4th of July, there's 100 over teams, and they may tell you, hey, man, good luck, do good. But they're telling you do good for second because they want to win first, and I'm the same way. I don't want anybody else to do better than me. Right. I want to see them do good, but I don't want to see them do better than me. And I, that's just my competitive nature. But, like, yeah, we we kind of just – and I roped with Blaine Vick a little bit this summer, but he had to take some time off and do some family stuff. And then when he come back out there, I was like, we just need to finish this deal. We started it a long time ago. We need to finish it. And so we started roping at Kennewick and just won at the right places. Like, both needed to win at Pendleton, won $7,000. Both needed to win at Kansas City, won second at Kansas City. Both, you know, needed to win at New Braunfields, one second or third at New Braunfields. Like, every time we needed to win, like, had to have it, it just, we we did it. And do you think that's just, like, I, I think there's something about a, a camaraderie with a, a team that they can kind of, even when things are not going well, how do you, how do you guys, how, what do you think's made your relationship so, work so good? Because you guys have went up and down. I'm so glad you asked me that. So, this, uh, I just took my horse to the vet. My little bay horse has a big knot on his ankle. And the vet was like, man, all that soft tissue and stuff's really bothering him. You're going to have to stop riding him so much and just ride him at the big rodeos and the big ropings. Mainly just the big rodeos. So he can take one or two at a time. I'm like, all right. Well, I had another horse when me and Buddy roped, a little sorrel and a buckskin. Well, I sold them both because I had two horses that were coming up that needed to start getting rode that I thought were going to be better. One of them I sold because I didn't think he was going to be good enough, and the other one, we're going to see him tomorrow. The app. Oh, yeah, the app. (laughs) Yeah. Barbarossa. (laughs) Barbarossa. Y'all be looking for him on Snapchat. Uh, No, his name's Beast Mode. He's a Bill Myers horse. So he's, he's six years old, so I'm thinking, I need to haul these horses and get them better. And You know, when I, I'll just ride Cuervo at everything that matters, and then stuff that doesn't matter, I'll ride Beast Mode, and, you know, in two or three years when Cuervo's done, I'll, I'll Beast Mode will be finished, and I'll be able to ride him. That was my plan. Boy, the vet's like, hey, man, he ain't going, he ain't lasting as long as you think or I'm like well that's kind of a bummer and he's like no you don't need to ride him very much you just need to run a couple on him you know the rodeos are fine and so I call buddy I'm like buddy I'm a good enough friend with you that I want you to know that if you can get someone better I'm cutting myself because my horses are not good enough right now he's like what do you mean I was like well 
I don't think my horses are good enough to head for you. And I can't find one that I feel like I can be competitive on because I, I can't be a good partner with, with my good horse being crippled. And I'm, I'm just telling you, you're not going to hurt my feelings. I want you to do good. If you can get someone better than me, I want you to do it. And he he's kind of sit there for a minute. He's like, well, the list of people that is better than you is pretty short, so I don't think I'm going to be doing nothing different. And I was like, wait a minute. You're telling me this guy believes this much in me. I'm cutting myself because I don't feel like my horses. And he's like, no, it don't matter what you ride. We'll figure it out. You'll get a good horse. Everything will happen. He's like, I don't. He he was the coolest partner that I think any way a partner could do it. I was wanting him to do good because he has a good set of horses right now. I said, if you can do something where you can get a better partner, you should do it. Because I'm not going to be a very good partner. I'm going to have to season this horse. There's going to be some places that he's probably going to cost us because I'm seasoning. And he's like, man, I, I believe in you more than anybody. And so I kind of sat there for a minute and I was like, this guy actually believes in me. I better get my stuff together and get rolling. And that kind of made me believe in that horse a little bit more. I was like, well, that horse is good enough. If Buddy believes in him, I should believe in him. And I went through a deal for a little bit. I have two or three decent young horses right now. And I would text Buddy, which one do you want me to ride today? <laughs> and he would text back which one he thought that he would like to heal behind. And it may be different every day, but a lot of times it was the sorrow beast mode. And it just kind of made me laugh. So that guy, he, he believes in me probably more than I do. It's, it's pretty neat to have that as a partner. Well, and I think that that's important to understand is believing in the team and, and believing in uh, when things have gone bad that it, it's going to be okay because yeah. you know each other. I mean, I've been around both you guys, and both are very passionate about about becoming great ropers. Yeah, yeah. We want to get as good as we can get. Right. And do you think that that's – is that what kind of helps it when it's – the low times and things like that is you guys can talk uh, more with accountability as opposed to putting blame or excuses on things or how do you, oh, how does your conversations one, usually go like that? Well, buddy will tell me if he thinks I'm sucking and I'll tell him if I think he's sucking. Like, I mean, we're 100% honest with each other. And if I, if he ropes the leg and it's my fault, Hey dude, that was my fault. Blow that one off. Don't, don't even worry. You don't even get to watch the video. I messed up a bad handle. If he ropes the leg in his fault, he's going to tell me, man, that was that was a great job. That was my fault. And I, I think it all comes back to to self-identification. you got to know yourself. you got to know your team to be, to improve. Just like in anything in life, you have to be able to step back and look at it all. You know, in business, if, if your business is suffering, you got to step back and be like, am I the reason the business is suffering? Is my manager the reason the business is suffering? What is the reason that this business is not improving? And I think if you look at a partnership like that, you know, the sky's the limits. And, you know, the key ingredient to a, a cake is flour, and that's that's horses. That's the flour. you got to have good horses. There, ain't, there isn't any one person out here or one team out here that's, that's kicking butt on Barbarossa, for example, <laughs> you know, or, uh, you know, a bad horse. Like they, Clay Smith's got the great gray, you know, Riley Miner's got Bob. Brady's got, you know, Suge and, and Ray and uh, Jake Long's got Colonel. Paul Leaves. Paul Leaves is my favorite roper because he does it on four or five different horses. They're all good horses. But, like, the horse he made the finals on two or three years, the last two or three years, I think he just sold him the other day. The bald face sorrow. Like, right. it, like Paul Leaves is so good 
and he and he rides a lot of horses and he rides really good and he's he's won on so many different horses that but they're all good horses you know like he makes them better and he's got that good horse that he come from Jet Johnson and then that roan horse that he won the world on he barely rode him at any rodeos that I seen he just felt right going to ride him yeah, I mean, we we filmed him practicing for the finals, and and he had a couple of them out there, and he's like, man, he's working pretty good. And <laughs> yeah, that was his jackpot. <laughs> I, like, I think I seen him ride him at like one or two rodeos last summer. One of them was Walla Walla, which is basically a jackpot. And I, every time I'd ever seen him is when he rode that horse that he rode at the American Jet Johnson's. You know, that come from Jet Johnson, that good sorrel. And he's like, hmm, felt good. Just gonna ride him. I think I think that comes from being such a guy that's so in tune with him himself and his horses, and he works at it really hard. I mean, he's done maybe a, harder than anyone. Yeah, he he runs them now, and like, he rides them, and he studies it. And in fact, he's one of the first guys. He's like, "Hey, man, I heard you got some video uh, of all these rodeo runs. Uh, can you send me that?" And uh, and like he just he was at like he's at like he loves to watch. And I don't think and, you'll ever meet a better person. Like like the nice guy. I mean, he's always gonna say hello. This last summer or the spring before we left for the summer, it was too hot to rope during the day, so he had a a, a place over there in Morgan Mill that had like football lights. Like it lit up the whole arena. He's like, why don't we just start about like ten at night, and we'll just rope until we're done. And then you can head home. I'm like, yeah, thinking we'd rope for two or three hours, and then we'd get up in the morning and rope. I went for like four or five times, and we didn't get done before 5 a.m. one time. Like, right. he would, come on, just one more pin, one more pin. I'm like, Paul, it's 4.30 in the morning. <laughs> go to let, Let's go to sleep until about noon, have some lunch, and do this tomorrow evening. He's like, well, we will, but let's just run. i got to ride these other two horses. And I'm telling you just, there is no quit in that guy. None. Right. So Lane, in a typical practice session, like we'll, we'll film with you tomorrow, and it might slow it down a little bit, but what what is a typical day look like for you at practice? Well, it just kind of depends on my horse herd. Right now, I went to the Meridian horse sale the other day and thought I had to have three horses, so I got probably 12 or 15 head horses right now. I usually try to keep about eight, three really good ones, and then, you know, Two, two young horses that I like and then the rest traders. But now I just got a bunch of young traders. And and then I got my three horses that I've been taking to the ropings around here and, and seasoning and stuff. And it just kind of depends, really. If I'm mad at myself, I'm liable to rope from 9 a.m. till dark. And if I'm, you know, comfortable with my roping and everything's going good, I'll just, I'll really work a lot on my horses, like keeping them working and keeping them sharp for me. That that I have to have a good horse. If I do not have a good horse, I do not rope near as well. And T Wade has a lot of good horses, but he's so talented. If his horse is scoring flat, he can catch them from anywhere. Right. I got to have a horse that's running across the line and gets me within a coil or two, so I can be sharp. And and that's what I focus on every day is. How can I better this horse or how can I better myself with this horse? And I think, in my opinion, that's what the the best headers in the world have an advantage over everybody is they're so in tune with their horse that they know exactly what he's going to do every time and how he's going to work. And that's why they beat you because they catch more than 
everybody else, and they're faster when they do catch. So, right. Well, I'll <clears throat> I'll give you a perfect example. I think Clay Tryon and uh, Jade just won the Lone Star Shootout, and Clay left way too early on a good steer. I thought in the short round, and he like holds his horse and breaks him to the pin, steps him over himself. It was the the I, most amazing thing I've ever seen. Did you notice that? Or, yeah, like he broke him to the. He could have tapped the pin with his right stirrup as he is hitting the line. Like I just edited the video on, and I watched it so many times because I was like, "How did he get out on that steer?" And and that's it. I mean, that's that's the deal. Is like that was the difference between breaking the barrier and not winning anything and winning about eighty or ninety thousand. Yeah, just knowing that. Well, that's just experience too. I think like I, I. If I would have been leaving right there, I'm like, you know what, I'm just, I saw my start, I'm going to leave. And he's seen a good start. Like, he's seen the, what the start was, but that steer was so good. He's like, oh, I'm going to break the barrier if I keep going at this rate. And that's such split-second reaction just to step your horse to the pin and get out of the barrier and win the roping. Well, and know that where to move your horse. Because most headers would snatch and pop their horse at yeah. that point and then kill the run and miss the barrier. and He just keeps it all going forward. and Yeah, it was it was pretty great that's to like, see. That's experience golfing pretty much right there, like knowing how to put backspin on a golf ball and stuff. Like, That's yeah. not for the general public what he does. I can't even do that. And no. he's talking about, he's just, that guy's so amazing. Yeah, they're, they're, he's the greatest. I mean, in my opinion, I, I, you got to throw him as one of the greatest headers of all time, if not the greatest, but he's by far the greatest scoring header of all oh, time. He's the greatest jackpotter there's ever been. Yeah, for I sure. I mean, won the BFI five times, the George Strait two or three maybe. Yeah, I, dude, I I don't know. I, I went into his tack room one time, and he's got all like all the stuff there, and like it blows you away. You're like, man, this guy's. I think he's won the George Strait twice, yeah, and then the which is my favorite of his wins, and and he won't give no credit to do for this, but he won first, second, and third at the Windy Ride. Yeah, the toughest rope in all year long, twenty two foot box, twenty foot score, whatever it is. And the guy wins first, second, and third. You didn't draw 15 lopers that day. No. I mean. Hey, if, if for people that don't know about the Windy Ryan, it is very, very similar to the BFI. Yeah, longer score, bigger arena, and the steers are out. I mean, it's outside. It's huge. Yeah. It's like a pasture open. Like, it's, it, it is. And for him, he won, and it gets, what, 180? Yeah. Uh, that it year, gets a lot of teams. I won fourth place, and only one header beat me. And it was him. Like, and I think I won $4,200 for fourth. And he won first, second, third. I think maybe won 30000 that day. Yeah. $40,000. He's done some amazing Silly, stuff. man. So for, for guys wanting to to get to a high level of roping and, and to progress their horses, one thing that you talked about earlier was you have traders and, and horses. So when you're out there practicing – you're not only make you know preparing yourself to make money roping, but you're advancing horses, and try to and and kind of have a horse program as well that supplements that. Is that how you try to use that? Yeah, I really enjoy the horse still of it. Like I, I love seeing like I said people, uh, you know, better their craft as you could call it, heading or healing. I love seeing people get better, but I really love enjoy seeing horses progress and get better and coming from a horse that's never been roped on to a horse that you can take to a roping. And, like, uh, Carson and Kellen Johnson come over the other day, and those guys roped so good. They roped great. Yeah, and I let Carson head on a couple, or Kellen head on a couple horses and just almost see where they were at. Like, he roped sharp, and he's going to practice for himself, and I wanted to 
you know, where's this horse at? And one of them took it really good and the other one didn't. And then, which he rode both of them good. The other one just didn't take it as well. And then, like, I got a kid that helps me, helps me named Bronk Foreman. He's a five-plus header. And he rides them all the time. And it's just so neat to see how horses work for different people. And and I want to, my main goal of it is making it where a horse works the same. You know, he's sharp whether I'm riding him or my mom's riding him. Like, I want him to work and do his job. And that's that's so tough. So tough. But, you know, it's all it's all a big process. Right. You're just constantly learning how, how the horses work and, and how to ride them, too. Yeah, yeah. Cause I think that's what you see a lot of is a lot of people go out there and they don't truly love it and it's hard to make they they wreck a lot of horses because oh, of yeah. their, their patience level. Well, and there's people that Chad told me the, the maybe he's maybe one of the best head horse trainers there's ever been maybe the best he's trained so many of them right. but what I what I love about how he does it is he told me you can get onto them but you can't get on them being mad. And, and that makes a lot of sense. Like, you can't, you can be upset at your children, but when they do wrong, you can't, you can't punish them in anger. Like, you can't be mad while you're punishing them. Because then you look up and you've overdone it. They feel you being tense and mad. They know. But if you do it calmly and show them, like, hey, we're not going to do it that way. We're going to do it this way. I feel like you get a better result out of your horse. And it took me a long time to learn that because I used to get really mad at them. I would get mad. I would... I would freak out, then they would freak out. And then at the end of the day, it takes two weeks to slow them back down because you got upset. It really does no good. Right. So if you can do it in a way where they understand and you're calm about it, then you'll get the best result, in my opinion. I, I completely agree. When you lose confidence, you've really got some issues. Yeah, and it, well, confidence and trust. Yep. Trust is the main one. If your horse doesn't trust you, you're done. You gotta, I mean, he has to trust you scoring. He has to trust you when you rope. When you stand up and throw your rope, that's the prime time for him to duck or buck you off. <laughs> and if he doesn't like you, you may do both. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And, and it may not happen right at once. They'll take it for a long time, but eventually they're going to do it. Oh, man. I, I well, you've had a lot of horses too. What do you think? I mean, you've had a lot of really good head horses. One of the best head horses I ever rode was that yellow. Yeah, I mean, that I, I think the biggest thing that I, I look for and enjoy with head horses is I, I call them winners. And, um, and, and I kind of will categorize things, so I kind of get an understanding of it for me. But, like, some horses might score better than others. Some might be faster. Some might be easier to reach on. And I think, for me, I try to play to their strengths. So, like, for example, the bay that I ride a lot now is he's just six, just turned seven, and we raised him. And he's the best horse I've ever been on. And he scores perfectly almost every time. He's super flat across the line. He's not the fastest horse. He doesn't handle steers the best that I've ever rode. And his finish isn't the best. So I try to play to his strengths. And I try to be aggressive at the start. And and I try to look for shots. And, and I think that that's like... And, and then when I go practice on him, like today when I practiced on him, I, I tried to make sure that he had him scoring and running up to the steer and relaxed, and, and I kind of know where he's at. And so I just that, I try to always game plan for my, my horses and, and be really consistent with my game plan. So, like, when he does mess up, it, it might be – I'm not getting mad. Like, I, I understand maybe why he messed up or know that he's not 
trying to do it and I either just let him know and then I let it go as quickly as possible or I don't even worry about it until it might happen again, you know, because I know that oh, yeah. I mess up all the time. Do you feel like that's the best aspect a head horse can have is the scoring? Oh, yeah. That's your favorite. Yeah, I think that the, the big thing to me, if they score good and you can knock the barrier back on good medium steers down, you win. And if they do not score good on one of the easier steers... Yeah, you're not going to win much on a runner anyways. Yeah. You, you, you To max out runners, like, when you get to California or when the boxes get real deep, you know, that that's important to have lots of run. But, I, I mean, I was... Man, I, I thought I headed really well at Fort Worth and uh, these in, indoor rodeos that I've been to in Denver. And I blew the barrier back oh, so many it's... times. And, and then I watched my steers go the other times and where guys get a little bit out of the barrier... They're not near as good, are they? No, they're not good. It's crazy. I mean, and I know even now with the World Series barrier, you know, being pretty much non-go, I still think a horse has to leave off your hand where you can get your timing down. You know, where he's watching the cow, and if the cow don't go, he's going to kind of just slow up. But if the cow leaves, he's leaving right behind him, you know, and... I think I think the scoring of any for any horse, head horse especially, is key number one. Like if they don't score, it throws off your whole run. Well, and I think that the the like a bad score is the root to all. Oh yeah, evil just of bad runs. everyone can head when they get a good flat go. You know, every <laughs> yeah. healer in the world's like this is easy. You know, when they just leave and just if the horse is flat and stick, but when you kind of get that pop or step to the inside and your timing's off. Yeah, yeah. Timing, lane position, where you're picking yeah. the steer up from. I mean, there's so many variables once you, and then you're heading from a different position than what you're kind of accustomed yeah. to. Uh, so there, you never know if you like. It might depend on who you are, but you might black out or not. I call it like a black spot and like be quick with your rope and do something that you don't normally. do. I do it all the time. I mean, <laughs> still to this day, dude. If I don't get in the correct position, it's tough to catch. Yeah. No, I I agree, and and. And, and trying to help that, like, I man, I, it's crazy to me to think about it because I've, I've watched a lot of guys train horses and, and, and do things, and one of my favorite horse trainers is my dad, and he's so mellow. Oh, yeah. They're like, all my horses that I have, he's pretty much trained. I, I bought the black probably eight or nine years ago, and that horse is, he used to be really bad in the box, and we kind of got it figured out to get by him. But once we did, he doesn't move. Yeah. But what he has done that I thought was so special is he never gets mad at the horses. He yeah, kind of he almost like he almost gets by them a little bit in the box, and it builds their confidence up. And I notice like he'll get horses that will hold onto the bit, and then he might have one that has to score in a little bit of a loose rein, and he, and he'll kind of play to their strengths. and And it might not fit anyone's style, and it might be different, but it makes it cool because a, he's taken a lot of head horses to a really high level, and I think it's. It's the only reason why I have good head horses yeah. is because he's, he's done that for me. It's crazy, huh, knowing that, you know, just with a head horse or any horse, knowing what you need to do to not necessarily get by them, but how to ride them. Like, it's almost like they need an owner's manual to come with them. <laughs> they're, yeah. they're such individuals. Yeah, I like, like I've been doing a bunch of walk scoring here lately to kind of just make them leave quiet and soft. Right. And it's just, well, we'll work on or show some, some of that stuff tomorrow. But there's just so many different things that you can do, and each certain horse needs something different. Well, yeah, it's like me. I, I, I hardly ever walk score. 
and and I'm kind of and I want to learn how to do it better. And I think that that's honestly, Lynn, that's probably the most important thing we can do is learn. Yeah, exactly. I think any number and and I've you know I'm I'm still learning. You're still learning. And yeah. if the moment Jay told me one day, the moment you quit learning, you quit feel like you know everything you're learning. That's when you you go downhill. Like because everyone else is still learning. It's, it's like we ride this line when we're competing of learning and getting better and yeah. then when to like shut it off and just take take what you got and go with it yeah. and then and then be able to like all right look at it and then and keep that confidence level and 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 there's there's really so much to it dude you can get so deep in the mental aspect of roping and you know it's about like golf it's it's a little bit physical but believing in yourself and believing in your horse is probably 90% of roping, you know, knowing that you're going to do good is a lot of it too. Yeah. Yeah. And, and being able to realistically look at things and not break yourself down yeah. in a, in a negative manner. Yeah. That's, that's a hard thing to do. Cause yeah, you that, see a lot of people do that. Oh, I mean, I have trouble doing it. Like just, man, what were you even thinking right there? What, what did you see to throw? Like, uh, I, I, a great example is, I mean, the Lone Star shootout the other day. I I'm, I felt like I should have made it back three times. I, I thought I headed really well the day before. I made a couple mistakes, but really roped well and was very confident going into day two. And I was late on the very first steer, and I was like, dude, I'm not even playing the same game these guys are. And, and I could have, like, I mean, there's a lot of ways I could look at it, but I honestly didn't have a chance the way I scored on the first steer. Like I, I ran him down there, and we were we were long slick six, and my guy slipped a leg. But I, I'd never set the run up and gave us a chance. Yeah, to that, that's anything. where it starts with, huh? The the barrier. Yeah. You got to start your run with the barrier. Yeah, and so you can you could take things and break yourself down, or you could, you know, you try. Well, to and I feel it, like but. you'll know next time. Well, hopefully, we learn that next time we get in a position like that, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta get a good start. Yeah. And I think I think a lot of people are go to the roping and and this is what you talked about earlier about what helped me the the year after I didn't make it to making it. The year I didn't make it, there was a lot of times I caught myself, okay, don't mess up. Just go catch the cow, just just don't mess up. And you can't do that. You have to be trying to win. Roping's too tough to try not to mess up because there's someone out there that is trying to win. So when you back in there, you have to be trying to win something. Right. But you have to do it in a way that's that's smart and and sharp. Yeah, and, and then be able to constantly refine it. And I yeah. think that's that's how you make yourself into a winner is is doing that exactly. Over and over again. Well Lane, man, I, I really appreciate doing the podcast. Like I said, we're we're excited to do some filming and you know, we'll we'll be doing doing some stuff in the future and I I'm pretty excited about all that. All right, man. Well thank you. Thank and, you. Uh, yeah, that was fun. Awesome. Thanks, Pace.